water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the fire nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he still has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Caroline, who read the intro this week. And this episode is a very special episode because we have a very special guest, um, Ben, who is our know-it-all musical expert friend, who will be here to explain um, some of the music going on in this episode. Yes, in this very musical episode. So this is episode 21 of the podcast. We'll be discussing The Cave of Two Lovers, um, as many regard as the official musical episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. So let's just get right into it. This episode starts off with a banger on the title card screen. So I know we didn't mention this last time. This is the second episode of season two. But like season one, we see the earth symbol replace the water symbol on the title screen in Chinese. So just a fun fact there. Uh, some more fun facts. We see some atypical music here. Uh, ben, do you want to talk about the music in the title card? Yeah, this is, might be the first time in the show where we... Am I allowed to spoil Leaves from the Vine? Do we Have we heard yeah. this? So yeah. this might be the first time in the show that we hear the leaves from the vine melody hinted at on the title card and it's a little different than the version that ira will sing later this one goes up in the end instead of down so maybe it's a little bit happier but they're setting up some form of musical continuity here mm -hmm. in the title yeah. card yeah it's super cool i definitely did not catch that when i watched so the first scene is, or actually we're going to go through Team Avatar stuff first and then Zuko and Iris stuff because they're very separate in this episode. So Team Avatar starts out at their camp and Aang and Katara are practicing waterbending in this very beautiful lagoon and Sokka is floating around in a leaf and Momo is laying on his stomach, which is so cute. And we're going to see a lot of Sokka, Momo, Momaka ship action. Not the only ship that is highlighted in this episode. Um, but anyways, Katara is showing Aang how to because she's a master now she's teaching Aang the octopus form um, and Aang's stance is all wrong so Katara goes to help him by putting her arms around him and he uh, blushes and sweats Ooh, what a move yeah really so smooth yeah I just want to know there's some interesting music that plays in the background when she lays her hands on his um, it's the played by this Chinese instrument I believe it's called the Gujang uh, ben, do you want to talk about the music here a little bit? Yeah. So the sound you hear here is just a descending scale played on this instrument. And it's like a plucked string instrument that you would play with your fingers. And I think a lot of people in music, they have heard the terms major and minor before. Major sounding happy and bright, minor sounding sad and dark. And the interesting thing about this scale on this instrument is that it has a little bit of both. So as you hear the scale descend, it's kind of hard to place exactly where it starts and ends. So it sort of just sounds like a like a waterfall is rushing over you, which perhaps is how Aang feels in this moment. Wow. <laughs> well said. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of emotions. Um, yeah, so they continue to practice training, uh, practice fighting, and Katara at the end says, you make a fine octopus, people, Aang. Yeah, I just want to comment on this for a second because I believe the last time we had a scene like this where Katara and Aang um, were practicing waterbending together was the waterbending scroll episode. And what a different episode 
like what a different state of mind uh, Katara is in that episode compared to now. Like back then she was so insecure and, um, and you know, had a lot of problems, but I think she's obviously shown a lot of growth up, up through that point. And now she's actually genuinely proud of Aang here for doing a good job instead of being jealous. Yeah. Good connection. Um, so yeah, then, uh, some hippie traveling nomad people enter the scene and they're singing, uh, their songs and who are they we don't know yet yeah they reminded me a lot of gypsies um there's the lead guy who is named chong and then there's his wife and there's this like third guy who's like reminds me a lot of the big dude from mulan you know who i'm talking about like the, there's a three <laughs> yeah. stooges in mulan is like the big oh. guy who like really likes food he reminds me a lot of him Chempo, Chempo. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah um yeah they're a great bunch uh very eccentric um so Sokka asks who they are and then the main guy chong introduces himself and says i'm chong and this is my wife lily and says they're nomads happy to go wherever the wind takes us Team Avatar tells these nomads that they're heading to Omashu and Moku, he says, on the way there, there's a waterfall that creates a never ending rainbow. And as he says the words never ending rainbow, we hear the same scale, the same open scale descending as we heard earlier when Katara put her arms on Aang, which I just thought was a. (laughs) A really interesting touch because I feel like Moku describes the sound of the scale very well. <laughs> I, I want to even call out like when we were doing research for the show, I was watching the episode with Ben, and not even a minute and a half before Moku makes his comment about the rainbow, I think Ben makes a comment that's like, "Oh, it sounds a lot like a rainbow. It sounds like very rolly or something like that." And then that comes up, and it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was almost a, a little weird how how on the tee he was. Yeah, I was like, see. So, So, yeah, I just have some fun facts about this uh, nomadic gang. So Chong is voiced by a very special someone. You guys know who Chong is voiced by? I do. I do, actually. Yeah. So for you listeners out there, Chong is actually voiced by D. Bradley Baker. So he ventures out from the world of animal noises to actually do some voice acting. Um. And he's pretty great at it. I feel like Chong is very funny, delivers his jokes very well, and is very distinctive. So good for him. And then also, Moku is voiced by Derek Bosco, who is Dante Bosco, who voices Zuko's brother. So Mm -hmm. we have some, yeah, some nice guest appearances here. Mm. The alternative is Chong is a mythical being. He's he's an animal, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He's a spirit. He's a spirit. There it is. And then Team Avatar mentions that they're going to Omashu, and Chong tells a story about a secret passage that goes right through the mountain. And then we break out into song and dance. How does the song go, Joyce? Oh, me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It goes, wait. It goes, two lovers forbidden from one another. A war divides their people. And a mountain, okay, I don't think that's right. Built a path to be together. And then, fittingly enough, Chong also forgets how it goes. And he goes, yeah, I forget the next couple of lines. And then he goes, secret tunnel, secret tunnel through the mountain. Secret, oh, secret, 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 secret tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just reminded me, you know what's really cool about this part? Like the song is that, so when he starts singing the song, it's just him with his sort of ambiguous string. Maybe it's a guitar, or ukulele, a mandolin. I'm not even sure what it's, it's supposed called to be. A, I looked it up. It's a pippa, it's a which pippa? I guess is a yeah, mm-hmm. kind of okay. Asian guitar. So he's he's playing his instrument and maybe it's Moku has like a talking drum and one of them has a bell and they're just kind of, you know, all, all jamming out. And then he stops. He forgets the next lines. And when the secret tunnel part comes in, it's built into the soundtrack of the show. Like there's oh. like, there's like full orchestra in the background and there's all this stuff <laughs> happening. And yeah, it's oh, just, dang. they, 
they made it like an epic moment, like when he says secret tunnel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I think it's definitely one of the most iconic moments in the whole show. Um, and apparently Kaya from Korra agrees because fun fact, it's her favorite song. Mm. Wow. This further entrenches my theory that Chong is actually a spirit. <laughs> um, anyway, then, you know, Team Avatar, especially Sokka, has had enough and they, they decide to make their way over the mountain, but then they get like completely bombarded with fireballs. Yeah, I just want, yeah, I just wanted to point out that uh, Momo is screaming too in this very short scene where all of Team Avatar is screaming together and it's just very hilarious and Momo is, Momo makes me laugh. <laughs> Then they return. Uh, it's very like, very much like anti-humor. But then they return, like all sulking. Asaka says, "Secret lover cave, let's go." <laughs> yeah, I think they just want to go hang with them the whole time. So they decide to go through the tunnel because I guess they also don't really have another choice. And uh, Chong explains that the curse says that only those that trust and love can make it through the caves. Otherwise, you'll be trapped in them forever. Some fun facts for the establishing shot of this short scene they go over these the 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 sign for the cave and it took some work for us to do the, well me to do the translation because i'm bad at chinese but we finally found the right one on the wiki and apparently it's ching ren dong which translates roughly to lover's cave which is really cool a uh b it's in seal script which is like an ancient chinese calligraphy technique i guess they use for seals specifically, which is why it was kind of hard to translate. Uh, and then see if you Google it, there's actually a lover cave in Taiwan, which is a tourist attraction with an associated legend of immortal love. Oh, so wow. for all of you that want to go and reproduce this, you can go to Taiwan. Wow. Awesome. That's that's really cool. Um yeah, but then uh, Lily, after Chong reveals that you could be trapped in the caves forever, just adds on and die. And then Chong says, hey, I just remembered the rest of that song. And then he strums his Pippa and then he sings and die or something. And it's I don't like know super low and grumbly, too. Oh, He's yeah. like, Chong. Oh, yeah, wait, that's so much better. <laughs> All right, Ben, I'm going to, you know, popcorn to you to do the singing from now on. He like strikes a pose like. Yeah. He's looking down, his hands oh, in the it's air. So epic. It's so epic. He looks like a rock star. <laughs> he does like the rock star guitar strum. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, and then Sokka says, that's it. There's no way we're going through some cursed hole. Um, and I thought this is interesting because Sokka is usually the one who doesn't believe in the supernatural stuff. So, yeah. I mean, given that this is their only option... Uh, or else the Fire Nation is going to get them. And maybe it's a shortcut, you know, like the Great Divide. Um, it seems like he would be kind of ready to go. But so I thought that was interesting. Um, who was getting in his head? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. She was pretty, she nailed him pretty much. Um, then Aang says, so all you need to do is trust and love to get through these caves. And Chong says, that is correct, Master Arrowhead. Um, and I just like to add that officially to the list of nicknames that Aang has, which is about to get much longer after we meet Toph. Um, this is the winner they, so far, though. Master Arrowhead. I like yeah. oh, I like Aangy from May. Aang, no, wait, does she say Aangy Poo? I don't know. She probably does. Yeah. Um, anyways, they go inside and then the Fire Nation tanks appear at the mouth of the cave and the one guy says, hold on, it's too dangerous. Haven't you heard the song? <laughs> Just close them in. <laughs> the mountain will take care of the rest. Um, and I just thought this is also kind of curious because were they just trying to kill them, you know, and trap them in the mountain? Because I feel like this goes against what Zhao was saying in book one, which was where he, he got, he had Aang in custody and he was like, I'm not going to kill you because you would just get reborn. Um, so it's yeah. interesting. I feel like these Fire Nation soldiers are like really not doing their job right. Trying to kill mm. them all. Um. Well, after they escape, it's probably like a dead or alive kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, mm. that's true. That's true. Because, right, all they need to do is prolong the Avatar until the summer is over. I was thinking that, too. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know. That's why I thought it's kind of weird that Zhao even said that, because even if he was reborn, like, that was literally just one season form. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah he forever. would be a baby 
Um, anyways, or this just confirms maybe. that this episode is actually a filler episode. It is not a filler episode. Just saying. Shut that down right now. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> yeah, so they're, you know, still wandering through the tunnels. And then Katara says, be quiet. I hear something. And Momo, I notice at this point, is on Sokka's shoulder instead of Aang's shoulder. So I thought this is another cute Momaka moment because I feel like I feel like Momo is usually just like flying around doing his own thing or I guess in this episode he's just been in soccer the whole time but anyways very cute um <laughs> Momo's uh, arc is from food to friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's beautiful um yeah so then these wolf bats appear and they're these giant flying things and Sokka tries to scare it away uh this one wolf bat away with a torch but he accidentally lets go of it and it injures Appa's foot and I was just thinking oh Sokka or Sokka and Appa's relationship on the other hand is very rough I feel like it's all (laughs) very turbulent (laughs) highs and lows you know uh they're not exactly great friends Mm-hmm. First, he uses him to get to UA. And yeah, really, that was the now, cheap, like that was the yeah. dirtiest move was using <laughs> Appa for his first date, and now he injures him. So, but then he gets what he deserves, I guess, after being separated and left and to, being trapped with the hippies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Appa freaks out and he runs into this column, and the cave starts to collapse. Yeah, that was interesting because. This is one of the first times we see Appa so agitated and it's cool because this season we actually see that Appa kind of becomes his own character and has a major arc of his own. And this kind of hints at, you know, Appa having a personality of his own. (laughs) Appa's lost days. (laughs) Yeah. Plenty more to come. So, so here's my theory, right? My theory is Appa knew and he was trying to set his boy Aang up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he breaks the cave. <laughs> oh, man. man. What a what a bro. Wow. Huge conspiracy. <laughs> Huge. Um, I like that, though. Anything for the ship. Um, so, yeah, Aang airbends all the others away. And then he, like, leaps towards Katara to protect her as well. Um, and then they're separated by this wall of rocks uh, with Aang, Katara, and Appa on one side and everybody else on the other. But really, if Appa's a real bro, like, why is he third wheeling right now? Like, he really should have just gone with his other bro, Momo. Maybe he didn't want to be around Sokka because he was mad. Sokka that is true. injured him. So here's the other thing. In the very important scenes, Ava is an Appa is not in the shot. In fact, like when Ben and I were watching, yeah. I was like, where is Appa? There was a, yeah, there was a, a, a very point. key moment where a lot of stuff was happening. And then Justin just said, wait, we haven't seen Appa in like 30 seconds. He's just not in this scene. <laughs> and we were like, where yeah, did he go? Appa knew. He was like around the corner. Yeah, he, you know, he was, he was waiting. Stuff. He was waiting. <laughs> Giving them their space. He got the, he got the signal. <laughs> he was holding the, the wolf bats back. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I feel like they conveniently leave Appa out when it's like he's too big to fit in whatever situation. Exactly. In. Oh man, so sad. Yeah. But yeah, so Aang and Katara are exploring the caves and they stumble upon the tomb of the two lovers. Um, and so it launches into the story of how Omashu was founded. And there's a really cool art style that they use to tell the story. Yeah, it's like a Chinese water painting art style. If you've ever seen any of those like old paintings that accompany the poems for all of you, those that went to Chinese school, the Li Bai poems. Anyway, <laughs> um, it reminded me a lot of when they depicted Avatar Wan's story from Korra. It's like a very mm-hmm. similar vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting stylistic choice. It almost makes me think that the flashback they have in the jet scene was a mistake because that's the only time we ever see that stylistic choice where it's kind of like a sketch. And then from here on out, it's a lot of like Chinese water paintings. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're just experimenting. But yeah, I feel I feel like this is so much more dramatic than uh, Sokka warning the town about the, the incoming flood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and also in The Great Divide, where they have that like blocky cartoon. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. I feel like they really found their footing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they chose what they liked most. Yeah, this one definitely or this style definitely looked really really pretty. Um, and actually, fun fact: uh, Lauren McMullen, who directed this episode and many others, actually 
hand drew this whole sequence, um, hmm. which is pretty cool. Like That's she directs, directs the episodes. She's an artist. Um, pretty awesome. Yeah. So Katara continues with the story saying that they met on top of a mountain that divided their two villages. The villages were enemies, so they could not be together, but their love was strong and they found a way. The two lovers learned earthbending from the badger moles. They became the first earthbenders. Yeah, I mean, this is obvious, but it's just this is not a filler episode because we clearly get some really nice setup for, you know, the badger moles being the original earthbenders, Toph learning from them. We get the Omashu backstory. I don't know. It just it it builds the universe more. I guess that's what you can say filler episodes do. Um but it's a, a bit of nice history. Uh, another fun fact is that the badger mole is the only original animal bender that is not known to have been substantially killed by the Fire Nation. So they <laughs> hunt or so the air bison were killed off uh, during the air nomad genocide. And then and the moon the, was also killed off. The moon was killed mm. off. Oh, good point. Um, and then the dragons were slayed. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very cool. To, to jump on to the continuity piece here, later on in the Toph scene, when it displays her meaning the badger moles, there's this moment where the badger mole kind of like sweeps his foot and then like maybe Toph like also sweeps her leg or arm or whatever. Um, if you watch the badger moles carefully in this episode, when they earth bend, they also do the sweeping motion. So they clearly have all of this thought out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Good point. Also, though, Joyce, on your point of filler, I think there's a little too much singing in this episode. So automatically There's not filler. enough singing in the rest of the series. <laughs> um, anyways, so Katara continues. Uh, they built the elaborate tunnel so they could meet secretly. But one day, the man didn't come. He died in the war between the villages. Devastated, the woman unleashed a terrible display of her earthbending power. She could have destroyed them all, but instead she declared the war over and both villages helped her build a new city where they would live together in peace. The woman's name was Oma and the man's name was Shu. The great city was named Omashu as a monument to their love. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful story. Very Romeo and Juliet like actually on the Avatar Wiki. I read that it's actually more similar to West Side Story. I've never seen West Side Story, but um, is that is that bad, Ben? <laughs> You're making faces. But anyways. You should just watch um, it. Oh, you did? No, you should watch it. It's really good. It's really good. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would like it. It's also a musical, you know, lots of singing. Um, <laughs> but it's more like that one because in Romeo and Juliet, they both die. But apparently in West Side Story, uh, the girl lives. I don't know if that's a spoiler. And now... It would be less good if I watched it. But anyways, <laughs> um, also a thought I, I wanted to say this the whole time on and while you were describing the story. But I just thought I would love I would love to see a spinoff where Iroh meets the hippie people and they start a band together or something. Because like <laughs> I was like, where does the oh rest of the singing in the series come from? And it largely comes from Iroh. So what is Iroh? That's playing? amazing. What it, what instrument does he play on the, the Sungi horn? The Sungi horn? Yeah, that's the mm -hmm. horn yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, sinky horn. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, another thing I found was that Oma is phonetically similar to Umma, which means mother in Korean. I probably pronounced that horribly. Justin, do you know how to pronounce that? Now, you know, you mentioned you're learning some Korean. I know how it's supposed to sound from K-dramas, but I, I unfortunately am not. I'm not at the point. I'm not a wee, uh, Korea boo enough to know how it's pronounced. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, Oma is mother in Korean, and in a way, Oma is the mother of earthbending. Wow. Um, yeah. And then another fun fact: another way that Omashu pays homage to the couple is that the city is actually shaped like the Chinese pictograph for mountain. Um, so with like one bit main, I guess, peak in the middle, and then two smaller ones on the side. So another testament to their love. Um, another, uh, inspiration for the story, which is historical, which is kind of cool. I found this is that, uh, the origin of Omashu and his name is similar to the city of Warsaw, which is the capital of Poland. Um, and according to the legends there, there was a fisherman named Wars who fell in love with a mermaid named Sawa, who lived in the Vistula river, which cuts through Poland. And together they founded a town, which was named Warsaw and became Warsaw. So. Lots of inspiration for 
for this story, which is cool. And so finally, uh, Katara and Aang turn around and they find a giant statue of the two lovers kissing. And Katara reads in the stone, um, love is brightest in the dark. So then we get uh, the scene with the most tension in the, in the whole episode. Um, Aang is wondering how they're going to get out of there. And Katara says, I have a crazy idea. And then, she has, <laughs> and then she says, never mind, it's too crazy. And then Katara goes, I was thinking the curse says we'll be trapped in here unless we trust in love. Um, and... Yeah, just a detail is I thought, you know, Katara, as she's explaining her crazy idea, her back is turned towards Aang the whole time. So you can mm -hmm. tell she's like very, very embarrassed, which is totally fair. This is so awkward. Um, and then Aang goes, yeah. And then Katara says, and here it says, love is brightest in the dark and has a picture of them kissing. And then Aang goes, where are you going with this? And this was a not <laughs> believable line. Bad on the first part. <laughs> There's no way Aang does not like is not following right now. Um, Aang's just scared. He, you think he just he must just be playing like because obviously he really wants to kiss her too. So he's his where are you going with this is probably like yeah. like no way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't know. I didn't I just, get. I wouldn't get that read on it though. I thought he was genuinely like confused. No, I think I think Aang's scared. Yeah, I think he, he like wants so it so scared. bad. He's yeah. like so scared that it's like actually gonna happen. You know, it's just a fantasy. Now it's not now supposed I to happen. Think about it though, I kind of remember his tone of voice, and he does. He he plays it off pretty smoothly. Like I he, think he's too smooth to have played that no, off. You you might be right. Or like, too not smooth. Right, he's not smooth enough to have to play it off like that. Like. It does sound like he's genuinely confused when he says that. But at the same time... No, I think... Okay, okay, <laughs> My read on the way he said it, because this stuck with me too, was that he was almost... He sounds kind of like offended that she would say that. And to me, I, it sounds like he's almost attacking her. He's like... He's like, where are you going what? with this? Yeah, exactly. That is not exactly. How he said it. No, no, he does. There's, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of that in there. A little bit of bite. Okay, yeah. okay. Here's my reading, right? I think he is so scared that he does not want to be wrong. And the only, like, he wants her to come out and say it. And I think that's why he says, where are you going with this? Yeah. Okay. It's just, like, not supposed to happen, like, right We're now. We're going to need, like, ever, an instant you know? replay of this scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Katara says, well, what if we kissed? So while Ben and I were doing some research for the episode, uh, right <laughs> after she says, well, what if we kissed? He goes, what if we kissed in the cave of two lovers? The cave of death. Uh, <laughs> the cave of death. Just kidding. Uh, uh, unless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is an iconic meme, you know, out there on the interwebs. And that I just didn't realize. I had no idea about that's that is still Anand. Yeah, Anand's a classic yeah. meme. <laughs> um, not yeah. on these interwebs. I don't know. You're not on the ticks or the talks. Nah. Um, anyways, yeah, I just thought it was really funny, at, you know, rewatching it with the, the 2020 through 2020 goggles of like, wow, Katara really did this meme first. I don't know where the internet got it from, but it was probably from Katara. Um, yeah, and then Aang goes, us? kissing and i don't remember the delivery on this but he was definitely very shocked he had that face where he looks like he just ate something like really disgusting <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then they just have a little back and forth and then ang tries to play off his i don't know shock or excitement or how he feels towards her saying yeah i definitely wouldn't want to kiss you and katara says well i Mistakes. didn't realize it was such a horrible option sorry i suggested it and then ang says no no i mean if it was our choice between kissing you and dying <laughs> uh i think i definitely laughed out loud at this part it was just like so horribly embarrassing <laughs> you just gotta him. feel bad you just gotta feel bad for ang in, in this moment so <laughs> he just threw it so all away to call another meme here, and this one is also pretty famous. It's like, it's like those historical colorized meme, like, like young boy kills himself circa 1924, colorized, and it's a picture of Aang saying this exact line. Or oh, like, digs himself I can see in a it. hole. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking, um, like the 
like press F to pay your respects <laughs> meme or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor guy. And then Aang says, we're going to run out of light any second now, aren't we? In like a moment to salvage the situation. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I read on Avatar Wiki that they said this was a goof because Aang says we're going to lose light any second now, but there's still a quarter of the torch left. And if each torch lasts like two hours, then sh they should have had at least like 30 minutes, you know, so hmm. math hmm. errors here. And then... Katara leans in and grabs Aang's hand that's now holding the torch. And they lean in and look into each other's eyes. And it's like very clear, like they're trying to imply something. And as the light dims, they start leaning towards in towards each other. Um, but just like the ending of Korra, they cut it out. So they keep, keep their PG rating, freaking Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, and yeah. Yeah, so I just have a big discussion question for you guys. Do they or do they not kiss? I'm a solid no. You're a no. I would also put in a vote for no. Um, I, I know the right answer here, so I, I cheated a little bit. Is there a right answer? When I was I doing my know, research, Joyce. it seemed pretty inconclusive. You tell me, Joyce, is there a right answer? Okay, well, I think it's no, but when I was younger, I definitely thought yes. Because I thought it was their kiss that made the cave light up. Because it was like, oh, oh, if you believe in love, oh. then like... That is an interesting theory. Like that's they fulfilled the legend. Um, so that's definitely what I thought when I first watched it. Um, I'm just going to lay out all my research here, which is why I think it's pretty inconclusive. But I think it's no. I think logically it's no with the... Get like placing this episode in context with the rest of the show. Um, but Avatar Wiki says yes. Well, actually, Avatar Wiki says many things. In one place, it says yes. Um, apparently, Mae Whitman, who plays Katara, says yes. So Katara herself ad admitted it, I guess. <laughs> um, wow. Avatar Wiki somewhere else said no. And then uh, this was the most convincing argument to me was that no, because after their actual first kiss in the day of black sun, they were like really awkward after that. And I think mm -hmm. the are, you know, the argument is that they wouldn't have been so awkward if they had actually had their first kiss now, even though it was like to not die. So hmm. I feel, I felt like that was compelling. I, okay. So I believe me women and, and here, here's like my logic for why they weren't weird about it. Right. Um, I think somewhere else it's confirmed that her first case is with Jet. So clearly, you know, Katara's been around the block. Um, so <laughs> oh, yeah, she's a floozy, that. according to... Yeah. Exactly, there it is. She's, she's a floozy, according to various members of the cast. And also, maybe this is me reading it differently, but at this point in time, they have a season together, but they don't have that, like two and a half season bond they have in the day of the black sun, you know? Mm. So maybe that's why she can play it off here. Okay. Wait, so you're going yes? Yes, I'm going yes. Wow. Okay. I was not expecting that. Anyways, I still think it's inconclusive. Well, okay. My question is... I think I'm the thinking cave the same just, question is you. Okay. So if the cave just lights up when the torches go out then wouldn't everyone just be saved justin and i were thinking that when we watched it because like yeah like doesn't everyone die like if their lights go uh, like how do they die their lights go out and then they can't see I they die. can't eat they die <laughs> 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 but if they just find a way when the lights go out no one would ever die but that that's the explanation though that's the explanation katara gives of why the lights come on yeah so i'm saying like if if they actually kiss and that's why the lights came on that like makes more sense but yeah i don't know wait so are you arguing in favor of kissing I, i'm just confused because <laughs> <laughs> according of to that theory they actually kiss we've opened up a kind yeah of i know I, I based on their reactions i thought they didn't but based on the fact that the lights came on like maybe they did no, the lights know. come on when it goes dark yeah but then why would any then no one would ever die no maybe they all bring more torches so they well, like eventually you die. So like <laughs> yeah, they die, die and the torches still live on. <laughs> you eventually like, die. That doesn't, that doesn't. <laughs> They're survived by their torches. Wait, wait, who, 
who is they? Like, who are you talking about? Just like, like other all the people, people in the legends who've who've never come died. out of the so, tunnels. So they probably died because they got off course. You know, like there's probably only one path through the tunnel, and only that path is lit up. So if they're far enough off the course, they'll never mm-hmm, make it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Angu Katara just got lucky. Yeah, that they were right there. Yeah, plot. They have plot armor. They have exactly plot protagonist off. armor. <laughs> Um, so my final nail in the coffin for why they actually did was Appa would not have gone through all that work to make sure it didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Oh, I read that too. Appa's the only one who knows. And then he gets out of the shot too with they're about to, to <laughs> just the, the ultimate wingman. All right. Let us know, listeners, what you think in the comments section down below. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Ah, okay too much romance and singing it's definitely filler okay let's move along um so then we flip back to Sokka and the hippies and Sokka hears some loud noises and more wolf bats come but uh they just fly with their heads and they're like what the heck's going on and Sokka smarty pants Sokka says they're trying to get away from something and then two badger moles appear and they earthbend and surround everyone. And it's really cute when they earthbend because they do the, the same forms that human earthbenders do. And it's just really funny to see these giant <laughs> mole things like doing human <laughs> martial arts. Uh, and then, of course, this is always going to happen. Sokka would need to, you know, play music and get over himself. And um, so Sokka's backing away in fear, and then he accidentally strums the Pippa, and then the Badger Mole like, looks up for a second, peeks his head up, and is like, what is that? Do that again. And then, yeah. And Chong's like, hey, those guys are music lovers. Yeah. And then Joyce, or Ben. And then, and then Ben. I actually and don't remember ben. how this song goes. I don't goes. remember how this goes either. I was trying to remember, but... I thought you guys were going to call on me to sing, so I was trying to find the tune in my head, but I, I don't remember the tune. I think it's because Sokka has no Sokka has no idea what he's saying. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like he's fearing for his life. He's holding an instrument that he's presumably never played before. He's like, Badger Moles coming towards me. <laughs> and then he looks at all the other guys. He's like, like, please help me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember it actually not being that bad. So I was like, oh, best song. I don't know. It's like kind of a treat that we get to hear Sokka sing. But then everyone else comes in and actually starts playing, like Chong starts playing and it's actually like not bad. Oh yeah, he starts to actually make up uh, lyrics about the Badger Bulls and, <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Uh, what a talented guy. Now Aang, Katara, and Appa make it out of the tunnels and Appa just like flops on the ground, hands to the sky. He's like so happy to be outside. Yeah, more Appa personality. Yeah, good, there it is, more Appa personality. And Katara walks up to Sokka, finally reunited, and he has this like big red splotch on his forehead. And she goes, why is your forehead all red, Sokka? And then Chong comes up and he says, nobody react to what I'm about to tell you. I think that kid might be the Avatar. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was another like standout joke. Um, and actually, it's like pretty deep, you know, like you have to <laughs> make the connection that he had the red mark in the first place from face palming, which he does after Chong says that he's the avatar. I, I was slow to catch it. Like, I know. Yeah, time, I, was, I had to realize. Yeah, I had to at first, when they it. came out, I was like, yeah, why is Sokka's forehead yeah. red? And then he makes <laughs> then Chong makes the avatar comment. And we're all like, right. That good yeah. one, guys. <laughs> well <laughs> good done. one. Good well one. Done. So then um, Team Avatar moves on and they're climbing up the mountain all the way to see Omashu. And as the climbing saga says, the journey was long and annoying, but now you get to see what it's really about. The destination. Uh, I just thought there was no growth. (laughs) 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 Negative growth for Sokka this episode. And he like basks in the no growth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he's, he's about to get what he deserves. He says, I present to you... The Earth Kingdom city of, oh no. And then we see the Fire Nation banner over Omashu. And we hear the Fire Nation, the da, 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 da. When, whenever you hear, see the Fire Nation army, you hear that little four note motif, which outlines a chord called an augmented chord, which in music basically just sounds like a big question mark. Mm. And it has sort of, 
no center and no answer and it kind of just poses a question which you can imagine is how they're feeling when they see the the red flag flying over omashu or how the motive sort of cuts saka off he says the earth kingdom city of oh no yeah that's really cool um yeah so dun 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 what's gonna happen yes you have to wait until our next what's off podcast um but well, you've already seen the show so you probably know what's gonna happen <laughs> Uh, Anyways. Yeah. So uh, moving on to just talk briefly about the Zuko and Iroh plot B. Um, So we start off with Iroh and Zuko being terrible at being fugitives. Iroh just got this rash from trying to make tea out of this white jade bush. Yeah. Then it cuts to Zuko and Iroh in a random Earth, nondescript Earth Kingdom village number seven or whatever number we're on. And Iroh is getting treated for his rash. And this young girl named Song asks for their names. And Zuko says, well, um, of course we have names. I'm Lee. And this is my uncle, uh, Mushi. (laughs) Yeah, and Iroh just glares at Zuko. It gives him a death glare. And this actually also reminds me of another moment from Mulan, where Mulan is trying to come up with her boy name um, when the general asks Uh, or something. It's like, I don't know, it parallels so well. Um, Yeah, and and Zuko cut his hair. Mulan cuts her hair. Oh my gosh. Wow. Man, these, I love Mulan these are so like much. my favorite Zuko moments where like in his redemption arc, these moments where he's not a Fire Nation prince, he's not a villain. He's just a really, really awkward dude. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know what yeah. to say. Like the same when he's practicing his speech when he's going to introduce himself to the team later. Yeah. It's like that, yeah. that sort of Zuko is... Yeah, that's why Hello. we love so Zuko endearing. here. Hello, I know. Zuko here. <laughs> <laughs> he starts gushing about his uncle. Yeah. Oh, stop! I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's really in this moment. He's uh, not doing his uncle any favors. Um, so apparently, Mushi means insect in Japanese. Not very flattering. <laughs> Hello there, Justin here. You're about to notice a great increase in my mic quality. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we lost the rest of my audio, so we are re-recording. Unfortunately, Ben can't join us due to his very busy schedule as a musician. I'd like to take this opportunity now and later to thank Ben for coming on and giving us his great insights. Back to the podcast. And then Iroh says... Yes, my nephew was named after his father, so we call him Junior. And then Zuko gets really annoyed. Uh, He makes this neck-slitting motion in the background. And then the girl introduces herself as Song, and she invites them to stay for dinner. Um, So we know where this is going. (laughs) Then Zuko says they should go, and Song says, Oh, that's too bad. My mom always makes too much roast duck. And yeah, I just thought that, oh, this means that there are such things as normal ducks in the Avatar universe, which on second thought, we already knew because I think in the first episode, first two episodes, uh, Uncle Iroh is eating roast duck when Zuko is asking him to teach him the more advanced firebending moves. But anyways, I just think it's a good thing to reiterate. So they're ducks and they're turtle ducks. Indeed. Some are good for looking at, some are good for eating. Exactly. (laughs) So then uh, Zuko and Iroh are at Song's house for dinner and Song is explaining that when she was a little girl, the Fire Nation raided her village. Yeah, and a fun fact here is that Song and her mother are both wearing hanboks, which are a type of traditional Korean clothing. Um, Also, I thought, oh, is Song's name Song? Because this whole episode is about songs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're too clever, clever, these writers. (laughs) And then Song says, all the men were taken away. That was the last time I saw my father. This kind of reminded me a lot of episode three or four, where we meet Haru, who is this supporting character that helps Katara by relating to her situation. And I think here we also see Song kind of relate, try to relate to Zuko because her father was also 
taken away from her by the war, by the Fire Nation. Um, I just think it's really cool to point out how they juxtapose the two characters where Katara is really inviting. She, you know, kind of sits on the cliff and talks to Haru, her quote unquote first crush of the whole show. (laughs) Maybe second, depending how you interpret episode one. Um, (laughs) But here Zuko is just completely, completely blasé about it. Or even a little hostile. Yeah, it seems like he's a little scared to actually relate to this Earth Kingdom girl. Um, but there, there are some brief glimpses of some vulnerability. Uh, Zuko says, I haven't seen my father in many years. And Song says, oh, is he fighting the war? And Zuko says, yeah. Yeah, so then Zuko is sitting outside and Song comes to find him. And Song says, I know what you've been through. We've all been through it. The Fire Nation has hurt you. Yeah, I think this episode is super important because it kind of reaches the central conflict that Zuko has to face, which is his conflict of knowing the difference between right and wrong and also restoring his honor to his nation and more importantly, restoring his relationship with his father. I think this puts him squarely in that position of having to reckon with all those things. And I think this episode sets up perfectly well for Zuko alone where we see those things come to a head. Yeah, yeah. And then Song, uh, and then Zuko doesn't really say anything, and then Song reaches up to touch Zuko's scar, but he grabs her hand and stops her. Yeah, I think this episode and the whole show really does a great job of Zuko's, of showing Zuko's character development. I mean, this is no surprise to anyone, but I just want to point out here, uh, the show gives the characters a lot of opportunities to make mistakes and fail before they grow. And I think here is a great juxtaposition that we can kind of put between his reaction to Song here when she tries to touch his scar and kind of confront what it means to him versus later in the show when Katara does and when Jin does when he's in the tea shop working as an employee. Mm, that's a really good point yeah and in the final scene Iroh and Zuko are seen leaving the Song's residence and Iroh thanks Song's family for the meal and then Iroh says Junior where are your manners you need to thank these nice people and then you know Zuko does reluctantly in the background and then Song says I know you don't think there's any hope left in the world but there is hope the Avatar has returned and then Zuko says I know. And it kind of cuts from his like angry face away. (laughs) Yeah. And something I thought here was that, oh, it's so interesting that like the avatar, I guess, again, it's a moment where like the avatar is hope for everybody. But like for Zuko, it's like hope for a very different thing. But I feel like later we'll see Zuko do something kind of bad. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is the moment where he kind of refocuses on his, um, desire to capture the avatar and and return to the fire nation because she kind of reminded him of the fact that the avatar was still out there and he could still do it even though he was just beginning to kind of soften up with her and then she brings up the avatar and then i feel like this is he hardens up again here i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so as they're leaving they exit this gate and then zuko looks back and eyes this ostrich horse and he goes to steal it and then uncle says what are you doing? These people just showed you great kindness. And then Zuko says, they're about to show us a little more kindness. And then Uncle Iroh has this like very disappointed look, but just doesn't say anything. And then as they kind of ride into the night, Song is peeking through the slit in her door and she sees them leaving. So sad. sad. Really sad moment. Um, But yeah, that wraps up this episode. And let's just move on to our readings. All right, so I have decided to give this episode a seven. Um, I think this episode in general was very fillery. In the whole Aang story arc, nothing really of importance happens. Um, You know, and we don't really learn too much new about any of the characters. However, I think there were so many funny moments in this episode, and this is really one of the funniest episodes of the season, I think. And maybe of the show and also the music is great and i also really like the zuko story arc here although it's small it's 
really touching and it really sets off his arc for the rest of the season. All right. I'm going to take the inverse of that. I'm going to give this a three. Um, I think this episode is particularly weak. I think if you consider everything that happens in the A plot, which is Aang's whole trip through the Cave of Two Lovers, uh, it's incredibly non-consequential. None of it matters to the plot. I would go as far to argue that the only thing we learn is that like maybe Katara is kind of reciprocating her feelings for Aang, but she also like in a moment of amnesia just forgets this for the next like season and a half and like it just doesn't matter um Zuko's arc is I think incredibly important but it's also very short and I wish we got to see more of it if this whole episode was his plot I think this would just be deserving of a seven if not more but I just think it's just a very forgettable episode I think the tunes are are awesome, but even then they're they're okay. You know, I think there's better music, more dramatic music. Not to say that this music isn't memorable, but I I believe it's memorable because it's funny and it stands out from the rest of the music in Avatar because it's kind of like folky music and it's like comical. I don't know. For that reason, I give it a three. Yeah. Yeah, good points all around. I think I also am going to give it a seven. So, yeah, I don't know. I just like I think I have very fond memories of this episode just because of how funny it is. Like it, like Justin was saying, I don't think it is super consequential for the rest of the season, except Zuko beginning, his, you know, just scratching the surface of Zuko's uh, arc. But yeah, I, I just think the nomad people are so funny. I definitely laughed out loud at least once. I think the Zuka and Iris scenes that we do get are really great. Um, I feel like that's going to be a theme for the rest of the season, just whenever we see Zuko and Iroh. And I really like the music. I think it's really quotable and memeable. And like, I don't know, I just think... Uh, it's very like a very delightful episode. And of course there's romance. And although Katara suffers some memory loss, it's still important. And it did. And we know that it happened. Um, and also I like the Omashu reveal and the story was cool. And um, I think it just fleshes out the universe a little bit more. So, yep, let's give it a seven. So. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the Cave of Two Lovers and uh, a special shout out as well to Ben who joined us for this episode. Um, we had a ton of fun and I think we all learned a lot uh, from him. As always, we release on What's Up on Wednesday, so we'll see you then for our discussion of Return to Omashu. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and if you like the episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. Leave me out, Hunter.